Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. In my heart that I really feel like God placed. Um, we've been going through the book of John, but I felt like uh, I had to talk about a little something different today um, because I was just kind of going back in my own journey, in my own walk with Jesus. And, you know, there's moments where, like, this question that, that, I, that I had was, like, have, have you ever been told by someone, like, you can't do that? Or, like, oh, that's, that's not the way we do it here. Or that's not, like, the normal way of a pastor or the normal way of a church or of a community. And, and I, I've had that conversation told to me, like, all of my life. And it just got me thinking, I wonder how many of us do that to ourselves, where we place ourselves in a box or others place you in a box. And um, you can't, you know, the question is, or the, the saying is like, you, you, you can't succeed because you're not smart enough. Or, you know, for me, growing up, I, um, I was really good at like English, writing. I was horrible at math. In fact, there was a guy, his name was Mr. Paul, and he like was a tutor in this area. And I would see Mr. Paul because in junior, my junior year of high school, for some reason, I did phenomenal in eighth grade. And um, if any, anybody went to Magnolia Junior High back in the day, um, I had Miss Gentry, and she was like the best teacher I've ever had. She would encourage me. I was not good at math, but for some reason she pulled something out of me, and I was getting straight A's on my test. This had never happened before, but she would lean in, and she cared, and she taught me. And so then I did phenomenal my eighth grade year, which it placed me in a higher level my freshman year, which was not good for me. So my freshman year, I was placed into geometry, and I'll be honest, like this is my confession, I would cheat all the time. I got through my freshman year of geometry by cheating. And I just remember feeling so inadequate, and, and if you ever know like what it's like to not study like at all, not listen at all, and then the test comes, and then you're not next to the person that really like kind of leans back a little bit, it's terrifying. Some of you are like, I can't believe you cheated. Like, I, I did that because I was horrible at math. And I got through geometry. I think I got like a C. I don't know how that happened. And then the next one I think was, was algebra one or two. And then, and then my junior year, I was placed in pre-calculus. And it's like I had no business being in pre-calculus. <laughs> So I remember I told myself, no, I'm going to work really hard. Kelly was in, you know, the other class. I'm like, I'm going to beat her. And, you know, she was smart at math, but not as smart. But, like, I was okay. And I remembered, <laughs> I remembered that I would, I was like, you know what, Mom, I really need help in, in, um, in this math class. I'm going to fail it. Because I was thinking ahead, I need to do good in math. And if I could do good in this year, I don't have to take math my senior year. And um, I remember we hired a tutor. My mom got a tutor for me, and I worked really hard. And I, I started getting B's and A's and B's and A's. And this guy, he just taught me the way I needed to be taught. And he leaned in. And so then fast forward, I go to Springfield, Missouri Bible College. And for some reason, I already took the SAT, and I didn't do good on it. But they had me take another exam to see where I would be placed for math and English. And I'm like, this was random left field. My brother and I drove all the way in 2012 from California in my Toyota Tacoma to Springfield, Missouri. 
And I remember getting there in an unknown space. I didn't know anybody. I walked into the room. The counselor said, you got to take this test. So I get ready to take this test, and I'm sweating bullets because I know I am not good at math. I can't, like, and I'm like, man, I'm going to be backed up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ace the English. And, you know, I, I wrote my, my, my essay, and I knew how to develop it and craft it. And turns out I did good in math, but I, I did horrible in English. And I was so upset with myself. I, I mean, honestly, my, if it wasn't for my brother, he had a different mindset than I had. He's like, oh, Sam, that's all right. Why don't you go to your counselor and say, hey, let me, um, let me see what I can do to get into the right English class. Because I did not want to take the prerequisite to get into the right English class. You know what I'm talking about? It's a waste of time and it's a waste of money. I just needed to get in what I needed to and to pass this this test, but I couldn't pass it. And so I started to limit my mind and limit myself. And I started to place even myself in a box where all of the voices started to come back when I was in third and fourth grade and I couldn't do well in math. And then I couldn't. And then I was starting to say, well, you're just not smart. You don't belong here. You don't belong in college. And I talked to my brother. Thank God for people that speak into your life, right? This is why we need mentors. This is why we need people in our life that say, no, 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 you're placing yourself in a box, and God is bigger than that. And he told me, he said, hey, Sam, this is what you do, bro. This, this is an opportunity for you to grow. You want to give up? All right, let's go back to California. Or do you want to lean in and to see what you're capable of? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He said, I want you to go into the counselor's office and I want you to ask her if you can write an essay to her to let you in to this, this class. And it turns out she was my counselor, but she was also the English professor. So I walked in, and I had some authority because my brother reminded me of who I was. And I walked into the office. And I said, hey, I know what the test said. And this is what kind of frustrates me with school, if I can be honest, really, we allow tests to determine who we are. And it kind of frustrates me with the school system because I know some, some people that are phenomenal in life and business and make way more money than you could ever imagine, and they didn't even graduate high school. And so for some reason, the education system tries to put us in a box based off our test results. So I walked in and I said, you know what? Um, can, I, I know how gifted I am in writing. That is my greatest suit. Why don't you just give me an opportunity? And she's like, well, I don't normally do this. You have a day. Write an essay. Bring it back to me. And I'll evaluate it. And if you do well, I'll, I'll let you into my class. So I remember I went back to my room. And my brother Paul was still there. And I wrote my story. But I made sure that I, I wrote what she wanted to see. It was a box. There's certain things that a professor wants to see with your writing skill, your introduction, your thesis, your conclusion, how well your body is, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I did it to the best of my ability, and I checked over it, and I gave it to her, and she said, all right, I'm going to let you into the class. And I remember I, I stood back, and I thought, what if I would have just taken the L and just said, yeah, you know what, that's just who I am. I couldn't pass. It's no big deal. But I had another voice in my life saying, no, 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 no. Stop allowing people to place lids over your life. So whatever you can do, use your gifts, use your skill, and enhance what is inside of you that God has already placed in you. 
And it just got me thinking, you know, I, I developed a mindset that I would not allow anyone to put me in a box. It started in 2012. I will no longer allow anybody to put me in a box. I wonder how many people in your life place you in a box. Your family, your mom or dad, we love them. They mean the best to us. But their voice holds a lot of weight, doesn't it? And I had to learn, oh, there's a greater voice. It's the voice that speaks into the depth of my soul. And that's God. You see, he's the only one. Well, there's, I would say there's multiple but he's the one that has access to my soul. And when I open up my mind, instead of living in a closed mindset or a fixed mindset, I open up my mind to the impossible because God is the God of impossible. I would at all costs, I told myself, blow the lid of whatever was placed over my life. And I made that a mandate that I would never allow that to happen again. Now, how many of you know there's moments where it just comes back at you over and over and over again? And you're placed in a box, and you're placed in a box, and you're placed, and you feel limit. You feel like you have no limits. Or you, you're, you feel like people have placed limits over your life. So I want to talk to you today about this raw biblical principle that requires a new level of faith and a new level of trust and this audacious belief don't put me in a box. There's a passage of scripture that jumps out to me when I was thinking about this and processing this and I was talking to God about this. And We find ourselves in the book of Daniel. Now remember, in the book of Daniel, a little bit of biblical due diligence and context, the Babylonian empire swept the Israelites and they pulled them out of their homeland and they placed them into an unknown space. And there the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, would tell people, I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to build this massive statue. And at certain parts throughout the day, I want you to stop what you're doing and bow down to me. So we find ourselves in this, in this context. Notice a Jew, a Hebrew, you don't have anyone that you bow down to because thou shalt not have anyone or you shall not commit adultery. Don't place any other God before me, God says, I'm a jealous God. So those that are serious about God, they're going to listen to God. I wonder how many people in that space came from Israel that had this understanding, this covenant relationship with God, and they allowed another person to put them in a box. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I will not allow anyone to place me in a box, even if that means I will die. So it says this in Daniel 3, starting at verse 16. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Verse 18, if you're taking notes, could you just highlight and circle this? Because this will change your life. But even if he doesn't. Have you ever thought about that? Man, I can serve God all of my life and do all of the things that I know he's called me to, but even if he doesn't do whatever I'm asking him to do, he's still God. I think some of us have to be very careful in this Americanized culture with who Jesus is. Is he, we talked about this, is he an American Jesus or is he the Jesus of Nazareth? You see, sometimes we're so fixated on this idea of Whatever I want, God will give me. Now, yes, there's precedent for that, but we got to be really careful. What if he says no? 
Can you still worship him? Can you still bow to him? Can you still be obedient to him? But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up these three men and throw them into the blazing furnace. Even if he doesn't deliver us, he is still God. It just got me thinking, like, this is a lid that was placed over their life. This was a box that they were put in. And they gave us a new way of looking at your relationship with God and the way that you think and process, the way that you view him as Lord. I will do whatever you've called me to do, God, but even if this doesn't work out the way I planned it, you're still God. Even if I don't get that job that I've been applying to over and over, you're still God. Even if I don't find healing here on earth, I know I'll find healing in heaven because you're still God. And I don't know why God says no. I think it's because he just mysterious at times. He understands the complexities. He's a cosmic God. He's a big God. He's not a God that's limited to time and space. He's beyond all of that. So when he tells me no, can I obey and trust his no? So, yet it switches a little bit because I want to push back on the people, the the Nebuchadnezzars that place you in a box. You're not smart enough. You will never be able to get this job. You're not smart enough. You'll never be able to finish college. You're not smart enough. You want to drop out of college because you think you can make it happen? It's not going to happen that way. That's not how we do it. Boxes that were placed in over and over and over again. You see, God can deliver us, and we believe it. But if he doesn't, he's still Lord. You see, I call this the internal structure of our mind. We talked about this before, but Romans chapter 12 says, Do not be conformed to the patterns and the ways of this world. Rather, be transformed by the renewal of your what? Your mind. So it starts not just in a heart, These men of God knew God with their heart. They were willing to die for him, but it also was their mind. Hey, you can throw me in the furnace, man. Go right ahead. God's going to deliver me, and even if he doesn't, I'm going to be all right. That's a mindset. That's an internal structure because many of us would say, oh, God, what do we do? Oh, Lord, oh, God, are you going to save us? Please save me. Please save me. These men were so confident in who they were. It didn't matter if you burned them to death. You see, I love when people try to define what God has placed over my life. I love when people try to define what God has maybe placed in your life, and you say, no, 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 my God's bigger than that. Don't place me in a box. What about you? Are there moments, even right now in your life, where you feel like others are putting you in boxes, are putting you in their little tiny world maybe? And we have to be really careful, and it's a struggle, if I'll be honest, that I have to be really careful with the voices in my life. Because if I feel that God has called me to create a difference in this world through his kingdom, then I am on a mission. But the problem is, when I'm on mission and I allow certain voices to diminish the kingdom of God, to diminish the call he's placed over my life, and there are little voices that become really big in our mind. 
No, that's not possible, man. No, you can't really pastor like that. No, you can't really help those types of people. No, that way of doing it here at the church, it just doesn't work. All that black is kind of weird. Why are we doing it like that? So it's like we place ourselves around people that are not serving the future for us. In fact, we might not even know it. I, here's my confession. I know that there's been moments in my life where I've diminished somebody's future because they trusted my voice and I wasn't able to see the God dream over their life. So we have to be really careful the words that come out of our mouth when we're speaking to someone because they might feel vulnerable. They might be at a low. And that's where the people of God, the men and women of God must rise and say, you should do it. And even if it doesn't work, God's got your back. You should move forward. And even if it doesn't work the way you think it'll work, God will make another way. And so I have to tell myself, if no one else will, like David, when he was fighting and he was dying and his entire army was against him, he had to go to the Lord by himself. Because there's this internal structure that we have to be willing to maintain and understand and even allow God to flourish within our mind. That's why Paul says, by the way, you can have the mind of Christ. Could you imagine what the mind of Christ is? You think it comes with limits? You think, as Luke would quote in, in the book of Luke, that God is not a God. He's a God of impossible. So when I get around, so imagine walking with Jesus and everyone saying, no, it's not supposed to be doing like that. No, we're not supposed to. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how it's going to be. Let me, let me help your mind. It's too fixated. It's too fixed. It's too closed. God's bigger than that. The Father's bigger than that. The way to the kingdom is bigger than that. Stop thinking so small. Stop thinking so small. And then, you know what happens? It requires you to risk. Like these three men, Shadrach, they were willing to die. That is a risk for their life. And I don't know about you, but I have to be willing to risk. You have to be willing to risk. Because I don't want to live a boring life, honestly. Maybe this is just Sammy's conviction, and you're like, yeah, man, that's, like, that's too extreme for me. But I, I just don't want to live my life when I get older and I'm on my deathbed looking back saying, I wish I would have just believed God more. I wish I would have dreamed that we could transform a city, that we could transform people's lives with the power and the authority and the confidence and the, the obedience of Christ in people's lives. I wish we would have just dreamed bigger. And so even now, like, people keep saying, hey, we got to go to two services. We got to go to two services. And then there's that, that enemy's voice, right? And it's maybe not even be the enemy, it's you. Oh, man, that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. Oh, what about the worship team? we got to get more people on the worship team. And then the kids, oh, that's going to be hard. It's an internal structure. I need people in my life that can say, do it. But you got to be prepared for it. Even last night, I had a conversation with Pastor Josiah. He's an overseer in my life. And I said, hey, we're ready to go to two services. But if I'm being honest, like, we need to grow in our leadership. And so he spoke into my life. He didn't put me in a box because he doesn't believe in being in boxes. And so I have to be really careful. Imagine I called someone else. Hey, you know, Johnny, what do you think? I hope there's not a Johnny in the room. <laughs> Johnny, what do you think, man? Like, should we go to two services? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, pastor, there's this and there's that. And I don't know if we're going to have the bandwidth for it. And it's just going to be. And then, and then I all of a sudden get down too. 
It's an internal structure that I've allowed someone to speak into my life. I need to be around men like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, let's go deeper. I need to be around men like the 12 that were sent. There was two of them that said, we're going to be like dogs. We're going to be people that go after the dream. If God said we'll have the land of Canaan, we'll have the land of Canaan. So I don't care if there's 10 men saying it's not possible. We look like grasshoppers in the land. There were two men, Caleb and Joshua, that said, no, we can do it. What was that? Oh, it was an internal structure. Do you have an internal structure to believe that God, when he says he'll do it, will do it? Could you imagine not having the training to fight? God says, I want you to go into that land of milk and honey I've called you to to spy on the land, come back, give us inventory, and they're at the camp with the fire, and hundreds of thousands of people are listening in. And there's 10 men that say, it's not going to happen, Moses, sorry. We're going to die. We're grasshoppers. There's literal giants, 10, 12 feet men in there. They're from the Philist. They're, they're, they're just big men. They're strong, and their muscles are massive, and look at ours. We don't even have the armory for it. But there were two that said, no, no, no. If God is for us, who could be against us? And so that's the internal structure that we need to take on. So stop placing yourself in a box. What they were telling those 10 men, you're putting God in a box. How dare you? Don't put my God in a box. Don't tell me that when he says he can do something, he won't do it. See, I love when people define what God has placed over my life or your life. And then you know another thing that we do? is we place boxes, we put our past in a box. How many of you have put your past in a box? And I know this because as I pastor and as I walk with men and women, the conversations that they have in their mind, the internal structure was a memory that was a box. They placed a box around a particular memory. And you know what happens is we become spiritual hoarders. And we place All types of memories and all types of garbage and all of the things that people said about us and said to us that we will never do anything in life, that we'll never make, be successful, you'll never have a family, you'll never make it the way you think you'll make it. Or there's trauma that's been taking place, an injustice that's happened to you, and you have compartmentalized that into a box memory. And God's like, I need you to blow the lid of that memory. I need you to allow me into that story. You're allowing too many boxes in your past, and now you're a spiritual hoarder. And the house is about to burn. And when it burns, it's all going down. Or regrets or mistakes. This is why I'm so big on the scriptures. As Paul, when he speaks, he says to give up the past, to let it go, to let it burn, to let it die. Now hear me. I also believe we have to go back in order to go forward. We have to go back with a particular mindset that God was with us throughout that time. He might have allowed certain things, but it's only to make us stronger. He was with me in that memory. He was with me in that brokenness. He was with me with that injustice. And so now I will use my pain for the future of what God's doing in my life. But I can't. Put my past in a box. I need to blow the lid off that. So if you're placing and you just like, well, I can't do that, and you say you can't do that because you go back to that one memory. 
of that person that said X, Y, and Z over your life. That's a box you've placed in your life in the memories of your soul. You see, we will compartmentalize our memories even though it was years ago. You may not even know it. It, would, it might even be in the deep subconscious, but that experience created a box-like mentality, a fixated mindset. When you don't forgive, bitterness arises. When bitterness arises, resentment arises. When resentment is fed or energized, then we become hoarders. Then those bad memories, the hoarders of trauma, hoarders of regret, hoarders of mistakes, we allow ourselves to place those moments in a box. Instead of throwing that box away, you and I choose to keep it. And I'm not quite sure why, if I'll be honest. I don't know if it just makes us comfortable or it makes us uneasy to let go of that memory. And if I could just be a little bit honest, sometimes we like it because we enjoy like a victim mindset. That's a box mindset too. But God's come to say, no, 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 I need you to let that go. Let me heal you. Let me work in your life. Let me reestablish that memory. Let me show you that I was with you all along in that memory. But when you keep it, you keep yourself stuck in that box. There's a passive scripture in Philippians 3, starting at verse 13. Paul says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, of the future, of the dreams that, that Christ had called Paul to. I haven't really considered myself yet to have taken it. You see, because when you have a healthy mindset with God, you never arrive. Did you hear that? You will never, quote, arrive until you're in heaven. So we got work to do here on earth. I'm not here to arrive. I'm here to grow. I'm here to progress. I'm here to develop. I'm here to mature into the man of God that he has called me to be so that I can face those giants in the land, so that I can have an open mindset, so that I will not allow anyone to put me in a box. And so I have to dream of the future. And then he says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to, which, to win the prize for which God has placed me heavenward in Christ. What is Paul saying? Have you even read that passage of scripture? He says, I have a dream that God has placed in my life. Did you know that God has placed unique dreams in your life? And if that dream, we talked about this, if that dream, if it were to come true tomorrow, does it impact anyone or does it just impact you? That's not a God dream. Because God is a God that serves mankind. God is a God that develops and grows and flourishes. God is a God that brings, when there's darkness, light. And he's always a God that serves. He's always a God that expands the kingdom of heaven so that it touches as many people as humanly possible. So if your dream that, quote, God gave you is just about you, that's not God's dream. That's your dream. That's placing even your future in a box. You see, Isaiah 43 says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. This is a prophet of God. Stop dwelling on the past, man. <laughs> what good does that do you? Oh, man. If I could have just done this at this time, I would have got that. No, 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 no. That happened. Learn from it. Now step forward and stop placing even yourself in a box. 
Get out of the box because God has not called you there. He's called you to more. And that's the conversation we have at our community, right? Uh, we've even had a guy that loved it so much he got a tattoo of it on his arm. Called to more. I said, I like that, man. It's, it's a great reminder that every single one of us is called to more. I, I would say that is the greatest thing that we could step into in how we view God in our life. Any area of your life, did you know God wants to call you to more in that? So if you're a husband and you're serving your wife and it's your first year or two, second year of marriage, how can God call you to more in serving your spouse? If you're a father for the first time and you see your child grow and develop, how can God call you to more to love on that son or daughter? If you're a leader in whatever arena or space you're in, how could God call you to more to serve those around you? But if you're not thinking with that mindset, then you'll just think in lack. You'll just think in less. And it's a boxed mindset. And I don't, I don't want that for me. I do not want that for me. We, we even in our community have had, have had people say like, man, this is, we can't do this. In fact, Pastor Jeff's here in the house. And I remember this last year, we were kind of not doing amazing in projection of our finances it wasn't the best projection and so logically if you kind of had the same amount coming in in a year we would be at zero and um we had a board meeting and we were thinking about it and processing it and i'm like okay a leader thinks not just about oh what's horrible they just go right to solution what's the solution what's the solution how do we work through this and there's a problem sometimes there's a solution even in the problem so I'm like thinking and processing, and I can't come to it, but I have certain voices saying, yeah, I think we need to go back, which there's nothing wrong with this, but we got to go back to like the elementary school days. we got to set up, tear down, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's going to be exhausting for the team and for me. I don't want to go back to that, but maybe we have to. Ah, maybe we got to. God, I'm not going to quit. We just got to go back. That's all right. And then there's other voices that are like, no, 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 we'll be okay. It's usually Pastor Kelly. <laughs> No, 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 we'll be all right. I'm like, no, Kel, but you don't get it. Like, it's this and it's that and it's going to be the finances and I don't know if we're going to make it. It's like, Sam, it's going to be okay. I'm like, ah, so I'll go to someone else. <laughs> and, and, um, and then I called Pastor Jeff. I called Pastor Jeff. I was right outside in the parking lot. I said, Pastor, this is the problem. And he said, don't you dare go back. No, don't you dare go back. And what I heard when he said that was, you have placed a box over the dream that God has placed in your life. So for any person in the room that feels like you have to, quote, go back, that's not what God called you to. God called you towards the future. Sometimes we place limits on our future. We choose to live a life that is incredibly predictable. We are creatures of safety. Did you know that? I like my safety. Not when it's a God dream. I actually want to become a man that's dangerous for the kingdom. And a man that's dangerous is not predictable. Now hear me. I still believe that we need to have pillars. Foundational pillars that prevent risk that would damage the call of God over mine and Kelly's life. Let me give you an example. Jesus is a pillar that will never change. Everything that I say and do, the lens to which I see the world is through the lens of my God, my rabbi, Jesus. So if it doesn't add up the way Jesus would say to do it, I won't do it. 
This is why I love following Jesus, because he is the God of the impossible. So the moment that I think, oh, does God want me to do it? It's impossible. Well, that's usually where he moves. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's impossible. Okay, come on. That's where I'm at. But I also have pillars like this community. I mean, I, I know I'm kind of putting it on record, but I really, this is my conviction. God could change it, but that would be a wrestle like Jacob did with God, is I feel called to this space for the rest of my life. I want to be a part of the same community for the rest of my life. That is a pillar, a conviction that God has put on my life, or maybe I put on mine. That's okay. But I tell God, Lord, I want to be a part of this because I used to think it was a location somewhere. I used to think it was like a region, like, oh, if I could just get in that region, that's where God will move. But I've learned it's no longer a place, it's a people. I, I mean, look at the day and age we're living in with technology and Instagram and TikTok. There's people in Montana that are thriving and flourishing because of the space that we live in today. So it's no longer a location, it's a people. So then I got to get the right people around me. I got to get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. Because where God's calling me, it's to great things. Not for myself. That's a man's dream. But for God. But for God. So don't settle for a box-like future. We need non-negotiable pillars. Do you have them? I will be married to the same woman for the rest of my life. There is no non-negotiable with that. So that means that that is a pillar. I will be the best father that I can to my daughters. That is a pillar. So that when I look at my future, I'm trying to give you leadership of how you make decisions is based off values. What are the values? Do you even have them for your life or your family or yourself? And my friend, the values should be connected to what God says about you and your future and your family. I know people that are so successful they got all the money in the world, and their relationships are deteriorating. They're not even a good father. They're not even around their children. They're disconnected. They've got a divorce three, four times, but yet, in the world's eye, they're successful. In my eyes, they're not. Because the pillars and the values, you are becoming someone. Did you know that? Oh, man. You are becoming someone. So you have to ask yourself, who do I want to become? You know how many times I've been asked? I make it seem like it's a lot. It was like two times. <laughs> hey, pastor, uh, man, you did a really good job at Coin Church. Would you come to our church and grow a young adult ministry? And I'm like, why would I leave my people? That's not, that might be your dream, but that's not my dream that God's called me to. And I have been so... Like, there were times, if I'm being honest, church, can I be honest? Like, financially, it made sense. Yeah, man, we're going to be good, Kel. Be able to get a house. It's going to make, but I put myself in a box. And so I had to step back, and I said, okay, what are my values? What are my non-negotiables? Oh, God's called me to a people, Coin Church. God's called me to love and to serve the people around me. God's called me to dream and risk and think big. Even if it's not here, that doesn't mean it's not here. Because God is a God that is beyond time. Does that make sense? So there's been moments where it's like, oh, ah, sorry, that's a pillar. I'm just not going to. Well, pastor, pray on it. I don't really need to pray on it. <laughs> that's a pillar. 
And unless God wakes me up in the middle of the night, I'm sorry, man, I'm not going to do it. But that's my conviction. You might say, well, pastor, that's not, well, I have pillars that me and God have talked about for a very long time. Because I knew in the church planning world, what happens is a guy plants a church, he does kind of okay. Then the bigger church comes and says, hey, come to my church and do this. And then another bigger church comes and comes and do this. And I said, I don't want to play that. Don't put me in that box. I want to serve the same community. So my question to you is, what spaces are you serving? Are you serving in the little things? Are you being faithful in the small? I can't tell you how many times me and Kelly have come and there's been like 10 people in the room. I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to be faithful to. So I don't care how many people are in the room. Praise God for you. I got to be faithful to one man, to one king, to one kingdom. And it's not about you. It's about him. Don't place me in your box, man. Don't do that anymore. I'm tired of it. So I'll find the right voices in my life that check me and that will tell me no. You need to have that as well. Uh, Worship, you guys can come on up. And also those that want to get ready for baptisms, I would encourage you to get ready as well. And then you're going to stand over here and we're going to dunk you. For those that have had a crazy life, we'll just hold you in a lot longer and then we'll bring you back up. That's a pastor's joke. I'm sure you've heard it before. All right. So I I wanted to encourage you with this last thought. (laughs) Because um, me and Eric and Tom, we went to this this place called the Arena. It was so cool. Erwin McManus. And there was, it it wasn't a a Christian space. It was like a business space. And um, there was this guy named Todd Herman. And I didn't know, but he created the alter ego for the Black Mamba, for Kobe. And I'm like, as soon as I knew he was going to be there, I was like, oh, man, I got to hear this guy. Like, he's a, he was a coach for Kobe Bryant to create the Black Mamba. So I'm like, I got to hear what this guy's got to say. I'm going to pull up my notes, you know. But, and then you're like, well, Pastor, they wasn't a Christian. Why are you taking it? Well, because I, I'll spit out the bones. I'll take the meat. I got to learn and understand. But let me, let me share what I learned. He was talking about how when we're children, we put on capes. And we feel like we're superwoman or superman. And we feel like we can do things that no one said we couldn't do because we have, like, this superpower. And it's like some way along the journey you forgot that you could do big things. And so he said they would do a test on children that were, like, six years old. And they would give a girl Wonder Woman cape and a man, a young boy, Batman cape. And they would say, here's this box and here's this puzzle. I want you to open up the box. But you're Batman. You're superwoman. And so they would watch them. They did a study. And then there were kids that didn't have a cape or anything. It was just open the box and, you know, do your thing. The study showed that the kids that didn't have, like, superpowers, they gave up really quick. But the ones that felt like they had more in them, they opened the box. So the study was phenomenal. And this mad Tom Herman, he said, Todd Herman, he said, you know what? In my life, there's been moments, if you're an athlete, you kind of have to, like, find that strength, right? I'm a guy, when I play pickleball, I play pickleball now. I don't play basketball because I don't want to hurt my knee. When I play pickleball and I get around the wrong people and they like can discourage me, they know they can get to my emotions because I'm too emotional and then I'm done. And so I was like, oh man, I got to learn and figure this out. And then, and then I went back to my sense with like who God is, my identity, what does the word say? What does God say about this? I don't need anybody's identity other than God's. And then I thought, oh, my mom named me Joseph. 
I'm Samuel Joseph. My mom and dad were so, that's why I love names, were so methodical with every name to which they would give their sons. Because names hold meaning in the scriptures. And then I was thinking, who, what, what did Joseph do? Oh, he was placed in a lot of boxes. Did you know he had a godlike dream when he was young? A big dream, a massive dream, a dream that his family would be worshiping him. So there was some ego there. He was young. But he still knew that there was something inside of him that was calling him to more. And then that dream was challenged. Every dream you have, my friend, will come with a challenge. He had lit a lid of his family that threw him in a pit. And then he had the lid of Potiphar's household when he became a slave and he was put in another lid, in another box. And then he had the box or the lid of a prison cell. It's like this guy's story is like really sad. But he had an internal structure. Every space you put me in externally, I have an internal God and an internal dream. And he's way bigger than the boxes you place over my life. So the scripture says that Joseph grew from season to season, in stature to stature. He was faithful as a slave boy in Potiphar's house. In fact, one of the enemies that almost got him was lust in a sex sin, and he ran from Potiphar's wife. Like, no, 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 you're going to mess up my dream. Get away from me. So he runs out, and Potiphar's wife said, he tried to rape me. So then they put him in a jail cell. And what, like, how is this possible to become the leader of a prison? He served. He was faithful. He didn't see the space that he was in as a box. He had an internal structure that said there was more. And then he noticed that God brought him into a space where it wasn't a pit. It wasn't a home. It wasn't a jail cell. But it was to the world. Could you believe that Joseph was second in command to the greatest empire of that time, which was Egypt, and he saved the world because he had a dream. He was able to help people from all over the world come when there was a famine. Only God can do that. And that only happened because of the internal structure, the internal mind, the dreams and the aspirations and the calls. He was able to grow in season by season because he knew who he was. Do you know who you are this morning? Do you know who is inside of you? Do you know the power of God that is within you? Of what he can break and what he can transform? It's not anything you can do. You just have to get the right mind and the right heart and the right posture to dream again. Just dream again. Some of you are in such a place of despair you don't even know how to dream. I want entrepreneurs to rise from this community. I want people that start nonprofits that make a difference in the world in this community. I want to put Chino Hills back on the map. Not because of the Ball Brothers, but because the Spirit of God is in this city. That's my dream. I want people when they say, hey, Sam Flores, the first thing they think is, oh, that's, that's God's ambassador. That's that guy is a Jesus guy. That's my dream. But don't put me in a box. Don't place a box over my life. 
Don't allow the enemy to place boxes over your lives. Don't even allow people you love. Sometimes they mean well, but you have to know what does God say and, and what are they saying. That's why you need mentors to say, man, don't you dare go back. That's why you need people in your life, pastors and counselors and coaches to say, you can dream, you can live, you can breathe. Stop worshiping all these other things and just worship God, man. Stop limiting yourself. Stop catching other alter egos and get one identity. The savior of the world, the king of the world is within you and that power will transform any darkness, will break any chain over your life. So right now in this moment, we're going to lean into worship and we're going to baptize our friends. So would you stand with us? I want to pray for you as we get ready and started for this. God, I pray right now for every person in this room, every soul. God, maybe this, this message, this talk resonated with their soul, their mind, their heart. Even now, God, maybe they're just processing the things that you've placed in them. And for others, it might seem small, but to them, just to be a healthy mom is everything. To be an intentional father is everything. To be, to be a provider for their family in partnership with you, God, as our provider is everything. Whatever lid they have over their life, God, would you blow it off? I pray, Father, that they would partner with your spirit and they would stop thinking or dreaming or even processing small. I pray, Father, that we as a community would say, I will not back down to the dream that God has placed in my life. And I know this is to serve the kingdom. I know this is to serve another. I know this isn't just for me. This is for the kingdom of heaven. May we be servants, ambassadors of you, God. I pray that we would get to the point to say, God, you can trust me. You can trust me with the little. I will be faithful in the little. So whatever challenge I'm in, I will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Whatever challenge the enemy has brought against my family, I will not give up. Whatever challenge that's taking place in the workspace or my career or in my family, we will not bow. We will stand and move with courage, knowing you are with us, knowing you go before.